Our colleague Julie Bikowitz covers money and politics. And lately, she's been taking a closer look at a lobbyist in Washington, D.C., a guy named Jeff Reschetti. When we sort of reviewed his clients from over the years, he wasn't exactly aggressively picking up new business. That changed last year in a really noticeable and dramatic way. He went from maybe signing up one or two new clients a year to all of a sudden there's 10 new clients. And there's some big names. And obviously, all of these clients have business interests before the government, which is why they're hiring lobbyists in the first place. Suddenly, a bunch of companies started hiring Jeff Reschetti's sleepy business. And there may have been a reason. Jeff's brother, Steve, is one of President Biden's closest advisors. And the power the Reschetti brothers now wield is a sign of the way Washington is shifting under the new president. Biden is a creature of Washington. He sort of embraces that he's a career politician. And so it's a return to Washington as usual, but it's not like a return to this perfectly wonderful Washington. It's a return to a type of insider Washington that so many Americans have said they don't love. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Thursday, February 4th. Coming up on the show, the rise of two of the most powerful people in Washington and what it says about the Biden administration. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. Washington, D.C. is a place that's built on relationships. People spend years developing contacts, figuring out who to talk to to get things done. This is why companies hire lobbyists. They want to hire someone with those kinds of relationships. So lobbyists kind of, in normal times, walk the halls of Congress. Now there's a lot of Zoom meetings and so forth, but lobbyists sort of percolate around, trying to get meetings, trying to arrange for different fly-ins for their clients so that their clients can meet directly with lawmakers. But these relationships between lobbyists and lawmakers have drawn a lot of criticism. In the 2020 election, candidates from both parties took aim at Washington's culture of lobbying. We will dethrone the failed political class and we will drain the Washington swamp. The issue here is that there are two pharma lobbyists for every member of Congress. Until we attack the corruption in Washington, the influence of money on campaigns and lobbying, we're not going to be able to meet our promises. Many of the criticisms of lobbying don't allege any illegal activity. It's more often a broader complaint that D.C. seems to work only for the connected few. With Biden now in the White House, Steve and Jeff Reschetti are among the best connected in Washington. Their rise to become power brokers starts back in the 1980s. 
Steve and Jeff Rochetti, they're now in their 60s, but they grew up in a suburb of Cleveland and both were interested in politics and public policy as young men and found their way to Washington. Steve sort of hit the ground running first. He's a little bit older than Jeff. One of his first sort of major jobs was to work at Blue Cross Blue Shield, became a sort of an unusually savvy political operator for them. Jeff soon followed in Steve's footsteps and got into lobbying. But then things got a little more complicated. Steve, a longtime Democrat, left his lobbying work and went into politics. Steve had kind of the number one thing that you want to have if you're going to succeed in politics, which is he's extremely friendly. He's very down to earth. People love hanging out with him, kind of remember him. You know, there's this kind of way in Washington where if you're not from the area, you're considered sort of charming in a way. So his Cleveland affect was really working in his favor. He loves wearing cardigans. People all around town call him Stevie. I was really taken aback when Obama's former chief of staff, Dennis McDonough, started talking about Stevie when I was on the phone with him. Just kind of a boyish nickname for a grown man. And another sort of good move on Steve's part was he was really into basketball. And so he would play these pickup basketball games with young, up-and-coming Democratic lawmakers. Uh, That's how Virginia Senator Mark Warner got to know him. They're still really good friends. So, you know, bonding over sports, always a helpful thing. How was Steve as a basketball player? Uh, No one would say that he's like an outstanding basketball player, but just what I kept hearing was that he just loves the game. So maybe that's like a polite way to say He's maybe not so good at it, but we appreciate the enthusiasm. (laughs) By the early 90s, all that networking and basketball playing paid off for Steve. He finds himself at age 33 with, you know, not that much experience in politics as head of the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. Steve Reschetti, how are you focusing your efforts as you try to elect Democrats to the Senate this year? Doing several things at the campaign committee where... uh, He was the youngest, and I I think he still is the youngest person to head the DSCC in its history, and it was the head of the 1992 election. Priority for us is to help uh, our candidates raise money for their campaigns to provide... And that's also how he met top strategists for the incoming president, Bill Clinton. And so after that, he goes to work in Bill Clinton's White House. And what was Steve's brother, Jeff, doing while Steve was in the White House? So he was just lobbying all along. For Jeff, the early 90s was good business. He was signing on major clients, including some from the healthcare industry. And over in the White House, the other Reschetti brother was working on a new plan to overhaul the healthcare system. So Steve and Hillary Clinton would, you know, go to the Hill, make their case. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. And it's a good example of why this type of relationship is considered problematic, at least to to some people. Here's Steve Reschetti in the Clinton White House advocating for healthcare policy with Hillary Clinton and, you know, trying to convince lawmakers to past policies that weren't entirely favorable to the insurance industry. And Jeff Reschetti had ties to companies that were vehemently against any sorts of changes like that. 
The rules in place at the time stated that lobbyists needed to register their activity. But there weren't any rules against family members of government officials working as lobbyists. And it's a situation where you have to just essentially take people's word that they're not influencing each other over chicken dinners or whatnot. It's a little bit of a, you know, trust us, we're ethical, we're doing the right thing. So in this situation, like, we need to trust that Jeff isn't going to tell Steve to ease up on healthcare reform over that chicken dinner. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting because you can also argue that this dynamic shows that maybe the brothers aren't that influential on each other. You know, it's not like we saw any evidence of Jeff trying to convince Steve not to do something in this particular instance. So it's it's an example that sort of cuts both ways. Did the Reschettis have any comment about their relationship in those years? So the Reschettis did not talk to us for this story, but we spoke to dozens and dozens of people who have known them over the years. And we, we never heard anything untoward happening, any sort of ethical lines being crossed. After a couple years in the Clinton White House, Steve decided to leave government in the mid-90s to go back to work as a lobbyist. Steve does what many, many people in Washington do. He revolves out of government and starts lobbying. He decides to start a lobbying firm with his brother, Jeff. And they called it Reschetti and Associates and worked on it for a couple years. But then the Clinton White House comes calling again just a couple years later. The back and forth Steve was going through is something often referred to as a revolving door. What happens a lot in Washington is that people cycle back and forth between government jobs and lobbying jobs. Critics say the risk is that former lobbyists might get into government to help their former clients, and that former government officials use their experience to cash in as lobbyists. These criticisms of lobbying, the revolving door, the close personal relationships, they aren't anything new. In fact, when Steve went back to the White House in 1998, his new boss, the chief of staff, John Podesta, he had something in common with Steve. So... Before there were the Reschetti brothers, there were the Podesta brothers. John Podesta has been inside of government for many, many years. Meanwhile, his brother, Tony Podesta, has been a very storied lobbyist all around D.C. And throughout the 90s, the Podestas had developed a bit of a reputation. If you were going to write a script about lobbying, you would want a character like Tony Podesta. He had these red leather shoes that he always wore. He went to the fanciest parties. He had the best artwork. He gave all sorts of colorful quotes to reporters and was just kind of like your kingmaker lobbyist of D.C. And what kind of power did they wield at this point in Washington? Well, Tony loved kind of bragging about, you know, when reporters would ask him about it, he would talk about how between the Podesta brothers and the Reschetti brothers, they had essentially divided up Washington into two fiefdoms that they both controlled. Tony Podesta actually likened the setup to the Medici's rule of Renaissance Florence. And he told a reporter, the Medici's controlled everything. We have it split up into two families. 
So there was not a lot of shyness on the part of at least Tony Podesta to explain how powerful these two families were in Washington at the time. John Podesta told the journal that neither family ever engaged in lobbying between brothers. After the Democrats lost the White House in 2000, Steve Reschetti went through the revolving door again and got back into lobbying. But Washington was about to change. That's after the break. How well do we know the people we work with every day? We share lunches, jokes, and deadlines, but are we aware of the unseen struggles we often face silently? Stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or feeling misunderstood at work? Through insight, awareness, and empathy, we can start to better see the issues our coworkers are dealing with, and that can make us and our companies healthier, too. Join Holly Robinson-Pete and her guests on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. After President Obama took the White House in 2009, he had plans for that revolving door Steve had gotten so used to. I laid out the most sweeping reform agenda ever proposed to make the White House the people's house and send the Washington lobbyists back to K Street. And Obama put new rules in place. Anyone who had been a registered lobbyist would have to leave the profession for at least two years before they could be considered for a job in the White House. And pretty much the second Obama got elected, Steve Reschetti deregisters himself from all clients. That doesn't mean that he left the lobbying firm, though. He did one of these classic moves where he's working for a lobbying firm, but he is not a registered lobbyist. He's instead calling himself a government relations expert, a strategic advisor, that sort of thing. After a few years, Steve got a job in the vice president's office, and he quickly rose the ranks to become Biden's chief of staff. There's something about Joe Biden's personality and Steve Reschetti's personality that just really clicked. And by all accounts, the two of them became very close very quickly. And once Steve Reschetti went in to work with Biden, he never left. Even after Trump came to town and was inaugurated, Steve Reschetti stuck himself like glue to Joe Biden world. He became the director of the Penn Biden Center, which is an operation that Joe Biden set up with the University of Pennsylvania to do government policy education. Meanwhile, Jeff was plugging along at the Reschetti lobbying firm, and business had slowed down. Going into 2020, Jeff had just a few clients. But then, Biden became the frontrunner for the presidential nomination. Steve was helping run the campaign, and Jeff's business picked back up again. Last year, he took on 10 new clients, including Amazon, the pharma giant GlaxoSmithKline, 
and Vaxart, a small vaccine company. Jeff's client list could be tricky, given that Steve is one of Biden's closest advisors and the pandemic is one of the administration's biggest priorities. But the White House has announced new rules around lobbying. And under Biden's ethics rules, you know, Steve Reschetti will have to be very diligent about notifying the White House when there is a conflict, not being in the room, if there is some type of conflict like that for policymaking. Even with these new rules in place, some of those same questions that hung over the Podestas and Reschetti's during the Clinton years are back in the spotlight. Only now it's a little bit louder because, again, you had President Trump run on this drain the swamp message that I'm sure everyone remembers. He talked, you know, very openly about his hatred for, you know, kind of the clubby feel of Washington and and the need for more outsiders like himself. But also you've got a whole crew of progressives out there who are saying, you know, look, we just keep shuffling the same people in and out of government. In fact, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was quoted recently saying that that is why Trump won in the first place in 2016, because normal people in America don't like this kind of big inside clubby feel that Washington has. You know, we had such a a different type of four years in the Trump era. A person who was completely outside Washington coming to town and trying to run the government with no previous government experience. Now we're pivoting and we're at the complete opposite end of the spectrum with a president that has more experience in Washington than many previous presidents that have come before him. And that means that there are lots of lobbyists out there who do have these relationships with him. The whole setup of lobbying and how to influence government and who has a voice in Washington, you know, that's what bothers people. And you hear more and more criticism like that, and it's going to be really interesting in the Biden era to see, you know, what Democrats do with that criticism. That's all for today, Thursday, February 4th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Brody Mullins for his reporting on this story. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.